Hey ladies, I'm Shock Hopeland. I'm so excited and privileged to be here to share with you guys. I don't know how we should work this microphone. Let me put it. There we go. Great. Um, but anyway, I'm so excited. I wanted to tell you a little bit about me so you can just know my background. Um, I, be, I grew up in the Austin area, and I did not grow up in a Christian home, um, although my parents were, you know, nice people, but I, they just didn't have a relationship with the Lord to pass on to me and my brothers. And so when I was 14, I was in high school, and I had a precious friend that just, after school one day, opened up the Bible and told me we were sinners. And just share the gospel with me. And through that relationship, I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior and um, grew from there. And young Life was very active at my high school, really just starting up that year. And so that really nourished me in my walk. I went on to a Christian college, Baylor. And then after college, um, which, you know, I really was a new Christian, even at that time, just a baby Christian, um, I got involved with BSF. And BSF has been the biggest blessing, you know, in my life, really, just looking at my spiritual life. How, how many of you guys, anybody, have y'all done BSF or doing it now? So you, you, those of you who know, it's, it's just amazing at really training us in studying God's Word. But um, all I have to say is I got married after college, and um, my husband and I have been married 17 years this Saturday, which sounds like a long time. <laughs> doesn't seem that long. And I have three children. I have two boys and a girl. My oldest is 13. My middle son is 11. And my daughter is 8. And she still seems very little. But probably to y'all, 8 sounds kind of big. <laughs> so what's the oldest child's age here that y'all have? Three? may have a three-year-old? Four. Yes, four? Four is the oldest? Thirteen. Thirteen. Oh, great. Great, great, great. So, um, so anyway, um, let me just open us up in prayer. And um, before we get started, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you and just thank you, Lord. We just praise you that you are a wonderful counselor, that you are almighty God, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that you just um, meet all of our needs, Lord. We're just so thankful for you and how your Bible is useful for teaching us how to live. And we just praise you and thank you for this opportunity to share with each other and just... um, Learn about your love for us, and I just pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me to minister to these ladies and share with them um, things that will touch their hearts and grow them closer to you. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, what I was going to tell you all is that um, I, you know, I'm so excited to come and share with you. And when I was talking to Millie, she was saying, you know, really these ladies like to hear about discipline because they've got the little children and the children that are very young and Really, for me, training in righteousness and discipline, you know, really is looking at the heart of the child. And um, I really believe that 10 to 20% of discipline is actually the timeout, and 80 to 90% is just really training them in how they should be acting, training them in righteousness and how they can know the Lord and what the Lord is requiring of them um, to live a righteous life. Um, in Psalms 90:12, um, the Bible says, "Teach us the number of our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom." And um, I had the privilege to take a seminary class this year, and it's called the Spiritual Life. And um, one of the questions that we got the first day of class was, "Why were we created? And what is our purpose here in life? You know, why are we why were we created?" And um, you know, we went through all the beauty of creation and all the animals and the people and 
just everything in this world and it was just amazing really to look at we were created for fellowship with him and really to reflect his glory and um, I had a paper due yesterday on a four page paper on holiness so <laughs> it wasn't um, by chance that I was speaking to you just a couple hours later and I thought I have to incorporate God's call for our lives to be holy and just sharing that with you guys um, you know, that he's called us to be holy and in ministering to our family, to our children and our husbands and just in the life that we're living. So in Leviticus, you see in the Old Testament, uh, Leviticus 19.22 and also in 1 Peter 1.14, it says, Be holy because I am holy. You know, this is not optional. This is a command for us to live by. It is um, an obligation and a privilege for those who know God and um, holiness is evidence in our obedience to, to Christ and how we're living out our daily lives. So I looked up, you know, holiness, what does it mean? It means to be set apart, to be consecrated, which means to make or declared sacred, to be dedicated to service of deity, to live differently than the world around us. And in Romans 12, it says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And obviously we can't attain holiness on our own. We need Christ in the, to do that. But he does call us, um, if we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us, and we can call on God's word to encourage us and help us, we just need to remember that, you know, he's called us to resemble Christ in everyday living. And as mothers, you know, our number one ministry, I believe, is to minister to our children and our husband. That is our number one call. And the Lord may have put it on your heart to, you know, he may be, have given you the gift of serving and Ministries that you can be involved with with your church, but I just urge you don't get too overly involved if you're not able to meet the needs of really ministering to your children where they are right now. And um, I just um, I look at God's call on us as mothers to minister to our children in Deuteronomy. I know y'all are all familiar with that verse where He's called us to train our children in righteousness. And Deuteronomy it says Deuteronomy six. 6 through 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your heart and press them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And, you know, I just think, what does that look like for us today? Anybody? Has anybody thought about that verse or pondered that verse? What is he really calling us to do in training our kids? Anybody? To weave it into our daily lives. Exactly. That is beautiful. To weave it into our daily lives and to be sharing with them all the time. And you're probably not walking along the road a lot, but you might be in the car a lot. And I find I keep a Bible in my car. I keep a devotion in my car because we're in our car a lot. At my kids' age, it's taking them to different places and... I want to have the opportunity when I pick them up from school to share with them something I've learned or, um, you know, just share with them a scripture the Lord's put on my heart or have them, you know, we read devotions in the car on our way to school. We pray together on our way to school. It's just we're in our world and society today, we're in our car lot. And so, you know, just seize every opportunity you have to be ministering to them. And I know your kids are really little, but they are not too little to be learning God's word and putting God's word in their heart so that they might not sin against him. So, um, put my glasses on. I just turned 40 last year. 
And right with my birthday, about a week later, I needed some reading glasses. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and put these on because I need a little bit more light. So, um, you know, one thing that really helped me when my kids were younger, y'all's kids' age, is I really thought about training them and training them with the end in mind because it's so easy to get caught up in our changing the diapers and feeding them and all the needs we have, you know, throughout the day, just taking care of their physical needs. And what was really helpful to me was to look at my long-term goal for my children and to train them with the end in mind. What do I want my son Blake to look like when he's a grown man? Or what do I want him, my daughter to look like when she's a mother, when she's training her children, uh, when she's a wife? What do I want my children to look like when they are standing before the throne room of God and he's looking at their life? And I am the one responsible for training them. Nobody else is going to do it. Who do you think is going to do it? It is your responsibility to be training them in the Lord. Um, A theologian by the last name of Truett said, Success is knowing and doing the will of God. Um, This will just help us in our struggles to look ahead, to train them, and just to teach them and to think of the end in mind. What do I want them to look look like when they're adults? And so the question to you and me is, am I going to be obedient to God's call for us for holiness and for training our children to know the Lord? That's that's really, you know, what we need to ask ourselves. Are we being obedient? God didn't say, if you want to, you know, if you want to walk, if you want to train them and teach them about me, he said, this is a commandment. You need to do this throughout, weaved in throughout the day. So, um... I looked at discipline because, um, as Millie had said, that y'all really like talking about discipline. And I looked that up in the, in the, um, in the dictionary. And I said, well, I want to see what the definition of discipline is. And it said, training to act in accordance with rules. I mean, this book is a book of rules for us to live by, to protect us, to guide us, um, to teach us how we can honor God with our lives. And... You know, discipline is not spanking them and putting them in time out. That's an area of discipline. But the real definition is training them to act according with rules. Our character is what will be presented, like I said, before the throne room of God. And, you know, I just think about God and, and his word and what he's teaching us and how he says, My ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Again, there's more calls for ministry for us as mothers to train and teach our children. In Psalms 78.2, it says, I will utter things hidden from old, things we have heard and known, things our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and of the wonders he has done. You guys all are probably very familiar with Proverbs 22.6. Train up the child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. What about, um, you know, I thought about that. Train up the child in the way he should go. And I thought, you know, what is really training? What does he mean by training in the way they should go? And um, I looked that up in the dictionary, too, because I just wanted to kind of be kind of specific. And it said, training is the education, instruction, or discipline of a person being trained. So it's the education and instruction, okay? That's what training is. And we're really training them for a marathon, the marathon of life. 
we are training them and um, we want them to run that race that God's called them to run. So when we're in heaven, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In Hebrews 12, 11, um, I love this verse, and I will tell my children this verse when I'm disciplining them. If we're in time out in the bathroom, I will tell them. In Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but later will produce a harvest of righteousness. That is verse 12, Hebrews 12, 11. And, you know, tell them why you're disciplining them. Why are they in time out or why are they getting a spanking because you are training them in righteousness and that is what God has called you to do and Proverbs 29 17 discipline or train your son and he will give you peace he will bring delight to your soul I love Psalms 119:9. how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word you have to teach him his word and then that verse goes on to say, I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I will put God's word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalms 24.3 Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy gates? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Do we have pure hearts? Are we teaching our kids that their hearts need to be pure? I was at a youth conference at DTS. Um, about a month ago and it was so interesting to hear what they had to say about the children of today and just you know the information that they're getting they said in 1960 it would take about a week to get a thousand pieces of new information well when your children get just a little bit bigger like the ages of my children they can get a thousand pieces of new information in one hour one hour with the internet and cell phones and everything around all the technology they are being bombarded with information. And a lot of that is coming from the world. And that's why you need to be countering that with just training them up to know God's Word. Um, I thought it was really interesting, too, at this conference I went to, they were talking about, uh, they had done a long-term study on children that were in college, and they interviewed uh, children that had gone to church. They were brought up going to church. And they were going on Sunday, on Wednesday, anytime there was a youth retreat. And looking at those, looking at those children, you know, they weren't... In, but the thing about them is that they were very involved with their church, but they weren't really being taught the Bible. Their parents weren't teaching that at home. They thought, well, we're sitting in the church. They're there twice a week. They're going to all these retreats. They're getting it. And he, they said, and this was, long, this was great research that they had done, 10% of those kids that are in college or young adults in their 20s, 10% of them that were going to church are going to be going to church when they're older. I mean, with the people that they interviewed were kids that were in college. And only 10% of the kids, does that make sense? Am I explaining that right? They were not, the church was not teaching them to live uh, with fellowship with Christ to have you know to have a relationship with Christ and um, it wasn't necessarily modeled for them at home even though they were in church only 10% of them were actually living a life of faith and being involved in some kind of church and the other thing that they asked these group of kids is the kids that went to church but were also being taught God's word from their home that their parents were teaching them from the Bible their parents were modeling that um, 
that for them and that they were worshiping as a family and they were learning God's word as a family and that was modeled for them in their home, 90% of those kids were going to church in college and in their 20s and they were having a vibrant relationship with their Lord. So don't think that it's going to happen at church or that somebody else is going to be doing it. I mean, if you look at how many hours are in a week, and I think I calculated it out, there's 168 hours in a week, and you think one and a half of those hours on Sunday morning is going to do it at training them? It is not. It is not sufficient. And so, again, this is just a call for us to model for them and holy living and living to serve and to glorify our God, to have fellowship with Him and to reflect His glory. And, you know, we're all still in that process of learning. I, Mommy, you know, I tell my kids, I am learning. I am in that sanctification process and I try to explain it to my kids because I try to teach them what I'm learning. When I was in BSF, I would teach them uh, different truths that I was learning and um, you know, I told them, hey, here you are. When you become a Christian, you are justified. You have accepted Christ as your Savior and you are justified for eternal life. And then when you die and you go to heaven, you are glorified. And it is perfect. You are perfect. You're living in perfect fellowship with Jesus. And in between is our life on earth. And that's our sanctification. That's our process of growing and learning to be more like Christ and loving Him and having a relationship with Him. So um, I try to tell them, I'm learning too. You know, I try to be humble before them and admit my sins and admit that I need Jesus. I need His help to live a holy life or to even strive. <laughs> I don't even get close. But I need Jesus just like they do. Um, talking about being a trainer for our kids. We're, they're the trainee and we're the trainer. And you look at trainers that are uh, Olympic athletes. Even some of the kids in high school these days are training, you know, four hours a day for their sport, you know. And they're just in high school. They're not going to play in college or in the Olympics. <laughs> but you look at how much time is going into that. And you just look at, you know, you're the trainer. And in Corinthians 9.24, it says, Do you not know that, a race, that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who completes the games goes into strict training. Do they not? They do not get a crown that will last, but we will get a crown that will last forever. So think about us just training, um, training in a marathon, training our children um, to know the Lord. And I think it will really, I'm going to give you some more practical ways to do that as we go on. But um, I'll say first, you know, in training them, I'd say, you know, start with a plan. Because I think if you don't have, you know, any goals on how you're going to train them spiritually, then probably nothing's going to happen very well. But if you set some goals and some, you know, carve out some time in your schedule and plan what you want it to look like, what you want to be teaching them, then, you know, at least you'll get 80 to maybe 90%, maybe 100% of it done. But you really, in our daily lives, with being so busy, um, just the way our society is right now, you really have to just um, make a plan. And um, for our family, um, we did a family mission statement. One of the things we did in our planning was a family mission statement. We did it together as a family. 
and we I typed it up and we stuck it on our refrigerator and um, ours is very simple we made this one probably six years ago and it's about the time right now for us to redo it and maybe make it more specific but I did this one when our kids were probably about your kids age maybe a little bit older but our Copeland family mission statement is to do um, is to honor God with all of our actions and words to love one another and spend quality time having fun together committed to Christ and his teachings so just something that we could look at and say this is how we want to model our family we want this to be our mission statement in life we had um, when my first son was about three the age of many of your kids um, you know how you know, you're teaching him the ABCs well I was flashing in front of him scripture memory and I have them right here because I still have them and I um, just kind of put some verses on this little kind of Bible note card and I would flash these before him I'd say tell me 1 Thessalonians 5.13 and we would go over and over these verses and a lot of them were ones that I thought would be useful for training him at age 3 for what he needed to know um, I'll read some of them to you encourage one another and build each other up um, what's the number one commandment to love the Lord with all your heart soul and mind and the second to love your neighbor as yourself and your little sister she's your neighbor <laughs> um, oh Lord you are my God I will exalt and praise your name whatever you do work it with all your heart that one will probably add a little bit later and um, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, that one in Philippians, we added a little bit later. And one of them that I love, that I taught when I was three, do all things without arguing or complaining so you can be blameless and pure children of God. And any time you know, he was complaining, I would take him to that scripture and say, excuse me, that is Philippians 2.14. Do all things without arguing or complaining. And you know, it's funny, my husband and I would you know, even look at each other sometimes, okay, do all things without arguing or complaining. Um, let me see if there's some other ones that were really good that I just loved um, Proverbs 27.7 friends love at all times another one children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right um, this is the day that the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it God created all things how about Jeremiah 33.3 pray to me and I will answer you I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So I um, was very diligent at just teaching him God's word. And Millie and I were talking. I mean, even Jesus had God's words memorized in his heart that he needed to call upon when he was tempted by, by Satan. What did he use? He used scripture that he had in his heart and in his mind. And if Christ needs it, how much more do we as children of God need to know his word and have it hidden in our heart so we can use it at times of need? Um, Joe White, who's the director of um, Canacuck, has a book called Faith Training. It's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. He talks a lot about the power of scripture memory, and he actually pays his kids to do scripture memory. I thought that was creative. Um, and he, I think he told his kids if they memorized a whole book of the Bible and it couldn't be a one-pager, um, he would get them a car. He's probably going to get them a car anyway, but he used, you know, he used the spiritual training as a tool to reward them you know so um, I thought that was was really interesting that he just you know talked a lot in that book about the power of scripture I would recommend even at age 3 read straight from the Bible to your kids there's a lot of great devotions out there 
But really, that little beginner's Bible, doesn't, do any of y'all have that one? The beginner's Bible? That one is wonderful and it's very accurate to the scriptures. Um, I have another little devotion called What Would Jesus Do? which is very accurate to the scriptures as well and it kind of asks, asks them lots of questions. But, you know, just find what works for you. Find what you like. But have a plan. Have a plan to be teaching them and reading the Bible to them. Um, train them early to have quiet times. Um, I have a little flyer here, and I actually read it to my kids last night because I feel like I'm you know, always wanting to remind them and train them in how to be living their life, how they can honor God. And this says, you know, what is a quiet time? It talks about that, and it says, what are some things we can do to help our children have quiet times to be life-changing? I'm telling you, at two years old in BSF, those kids have quiet times when they're in there. I was a children's leader. They say, we're going to have a quiet time now. You're going to turn the lights down, and you're going to pray and talk to God, and just listen. Listen to God. And they're not too young to be training them to have a quiet time. This says schedule it or it won't happen. Choose a time when you're alert and free from distractions. Keep a prayer journal. Include a systematic reading of God's word, which we just kind of talked about. You know, our church is going through the journey. Uh, what we do with our kids is we read through, and I brought some books, some resources over there. We read through my son, my teenager's Bible when we're reading with them through the Bible. It's almost like my NIV, but... Um, it's, it's just great, you know. So find a Bible that um, you feel comfortable, you know, reading to them that is accurate. Um, I love really reading just right, great, straight from my NIV, my Life Application Bible. It's got lots of footnotes, so I can explain to him because my middle son will have lots of questions, spiritual questions, and um, I want to be able to answer them. Um, anyway, so I just, you know, wanted to tell you they're not too young right now to be training them to be having a quiet time with God. Um, listen to Christian music. Surround them with um, encouraging music. When my kids were little, we listened to a lot of Steve Green. Hide God's Word in My Heart. Do any of y'all have that? Steve Green? Um, it's, it's great because it's all scripture. It's songs to scripture. And it is wonderful. And, you know, we listen to a lot of praise music. In fact, we don't listen to any secular music at all. I'm not saying that that's how you need to be living. I'm saying for us... That's how we live because I want my kids to be encouraged as much as they can. And I will tell you, my 13-year-old had, has a really good friend who, because um, now they have iTunes and they want to put songs on their iPod and everything. And um, he had a friend who said, here, this is the song I want you to you know, have and put on your iPod. But it does have, you know, he was at least aware, it does have a couple of words that are not really appropriate. So I want you to listen to it. And when my, my son came and asked me about that, about this song, you know, I said, Blake, what do you think? Do you want to put that in your heart and mind? Or do you not? Do you want to honor God and what you're listening to? I mean, you choose because it wasn't that bad what it was saying, but it just wasn't, I can't even remember what it was. But it just wasn't, it's like, why, why even put that in your mind? And so I said, you make the decision. And he called his friend and he said, you know what? I'm sorry, but I don't want to, I don't want to get that song. It's, um... You know, it's just not, not what I want to be putting in my mind. Made it simple, and he was a great witness to his friend because they are influenced by what they see and what they hear. Um, I am not a big TV person, and um, I guess I had a BSF teacher one time who told me to put my TV in my attic, <laughs> and I kind of took it literally. And um, <laughs> not as, it's not in my attic, but I mean, we just you know really don't watch hardly any TV. And but. You know, when you did want, when I did want a break, I would put in a video form. There's so many great. They have the beginner Bible videos on Jonah and the whale, David and the giant, Daniel and the lion's den. 
Veggie Tales. Have y'all heard of the Donut Man? I don't know if he's still around. <laughs> um, Bible Man. Um, I, had a, I have a friend who... Uh, I don't know if I was going to tell you this later, but I have a friend who's a little boy. It's just He's four, and he's really a tyrant. I mean, <laughs> and um, he just really is um, always hitting other people. And just, you know, my daughter goes over to play at their house, and he is just, you know, he's just hard to be around. And um, trying to encourage my friend to not judge her or anything, I was just like, you know what? You have to get some of these um, videos. You have to go get the Bible man. And she was so excited to hear about the Bible man, she didn't know anything about it. And Steve Green, listen to in the car. And um, she was delighted, delighted to know that there were ways to encourage him. And um, my little boy asked me one time, I thought this was funny. He goes, Mommy, why do we read the Bible all the time? And he wasn't saying it like negative. He's like, why, why do we do that? And I said, well, you know why, Brandon? Because I am being obedient to my Father in Heaven who's asked me. And I read him Deuteronomy. I said, look what he's asking us to do. And I'm just being obedient to God, who is my ultimate authority, and yours as well. And he was great with that. He just was asking the question. Um, if he can't, um, you know, if they can't obey authority, you know, just looking at being obedient and what the Scripture is calling us, it's going to be hard for them to obey God later. If they can't obey your authority now, it's going to be hard for them to obey God's authority later. But... Um, just also say worship together. You know, in our church, we don't worship as a family in the service unless your kids are in high school. And so take time at home to worship. My, you know, if your husband has a guitar, play a couple songs. And my older son plays the guitar. And sometimes when we're at our lake house or we're just home, I'll say, hey, let's have a little time of worship. And um, just worshiping with them is just wonderful. He's got all these great praise songs. Um, and your husband can do that and just teach them. There's another church around here that that's what they're really promoting their church members to do is to have family worship all the time. And so I just want to encourage you, since we're not doing that at church, that that is just a beautiful thing to do together. Um, teach them the attributes of God. Um, you know, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Um, y'all are familiar with Psalms 130, um, 139. Do y'all want to read it? Anybody want to read Psalms 139, 1 through 14? It's a great verse to be teaching our children. Read that scripture to your kids. It says how wonderful they are, how wonderfully made they are, and that God is with them all the time. God is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows the hairs, the number of hairs on your head. He knows all of everything. He knows our hearts teach that to our children. They need to know that our God is a God who knows all things. What about God being omnipresent? Um, one of my favorite verses for my little three-year-old when he was learning was Haggai 2.4 Be strong, declares the Lord, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged. And Joshua says, Do not be discouraged or dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. How about the sovereignty of God? For we know all things work together for those who have been called according to his purpose. Teach these things to your young children. It's comforting to them to know that God is with them all the time. Your mommy's not there. And I've told my children, I'm not always going to be there, but God will always be there for you. And teach them the name of God. I have a handout for you that I had a girl calligraphy for me a long time ago. And I made a copy for each of my kids to put in their room so they can learn how to praise God. And you look at the beautiful names. Um, Emmanuel, light of the world. These are the names of Jesus. 
Um, bread of life, physician, lamb of God, king of kings, prince of peace, the Messiah, the Christ, the rabbi, the word, the cornerstone, the bright morning star, the line of the tribe of, Jesus, of Judah, friend, Alpha and Omega, bridegroom, son of David, great priest, prophet, the good shepherd, the servant of God, the redeemer, and the I am. Teach them the names of God. Teach them what you're learning at whatever Bible study you're doing. Um, are any of y'all doing the refresh Bible study? Yes? I did that the last couple of years. It's wonderful. And some of you said you were doing BSF. Teach them some of the great things you're learning. When we were doing... Um, when we were, I was in Refresh last year, and we were studying Revelations, which was wonderful. I loved it. And guess what? I was reading to my kids. They would come home. <laughs> I'd say, y'all, just I've got to share with this to you. It's so awesome. Let's, let's just picture Jesus. And I would read to them uh, Revelation 19.11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will ruin, rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh... He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And my boys were sitting there picturing this big, you know, sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. And they were just like, that is so cool. <laughs> they loved it. I mean, just, you know, looking at the throne room in chapter 4, the throne room of God with what God looks like. I mean, it's just beautiful. And it helps them to have, even at a young age, just to, when you're praying to God, this is where he is. He's sitting on his throne. And he has all these creatures around him saying, 24-7, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Um, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Share with them what you're learning. Because um, it's exciting to them. If they see that you're excited about God's Word and you're excited about what you're learning, they're going to want to learn too. And they're going to be excited. So share with them. Um, and then I just want to touch a little bit on discipline. You know, actually actual discipline uh, when they get in trouble. And I just say welcome. I know you, some of you are probably like, okay, I, you know, no fun. They're getting in trouble all the time. They're not doing what I say. Welcome conflict. It is great training in righteousness. I, it's taken me a while to learn that. But now I love it. I love it if one of my kids get in trouble. Isn't that funny? <laughs> but I just go, wow, this is great opportunity to bring them to Christ. It's great opportunity to show them their need for Christ. And it's just great training in righteousness. Point out their sin. Tell them to look at their heart. God looks at our heart. He doesn't look at our outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Ted Tripp wrote a book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Have you all read that? It's a great book and it talks about sin is all rooted at the heart for them and for us it is all about the heart and I'll tell my son if he says something not very nice to my daughter I'll say Brandon your heart is not right 
Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except for that which is useful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And, you know, I've also told them, hey, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done it to Christ. So when you say that to her, it's like saying it to Christ. We then got scripture and the truth of his word about how we're supposed to love our neighbor, our sister, our brother as ourselves. The other thing I tell them is not only do they need to ask for forgiveness of the one they offended, they also obviously need to pray and ask God to forgive them because that's who they've ultimately offended. He alone is our ultimate authority and our judge. And you know, um, they need to get right with God when they've sinned. And when they're little and they're two and three years old, that is a great time to be praying with them and walking them through how to ask God to forgive them for their sin. And, at, and I always ask too, Lord, fill them up with the, the traits and qualities of your Holy Spirit, the fruits of your Spirit. That was one of our favorite memory verses when they were little, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are, this is what you need to be emulating. And with God's help, of course. That's how my um, oldest son came to know the Lord he was about seven and we were in the car and he had said something to his brother wasn't being very nice and I looked at him in the rearview mirror and with me with all the scriptures I had had to memorize I was like Blake friends love at all times and your brother is your friend and he kind of looked at me with this kind of look on his face like I don't want to love him right now and I said Blake that's, that's it that's when you need to be asking God and the Holy Spirit to help you because you can't do it on your own. You need Christ. And later that night is when it all clicked for him that he needed his Savior. And we were in our bedroom praying as a family. And he said he wanted to ask Jesus into his heart. And he knelt down and prayed. And it was beautiful. And it was, it was really neat because it was just showing him through his conflict. Okay? It's just great training in righteousness. You need Jesus. And... Um, Also, one thing that I did with them is, and we still do it today sometimes, is uh, role-playing on the right thing to do. Um, you know, I'll give them a hypothetical situation and um, ask them to, to, you know, let's play it out. What if somebody's mean to you? What are you supposed to do? What does the Bible say? How are we supposed to treat that person? Identify uh, what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with at school or at preschool or just at home with their siblings, identify with it in your own experiences. I had a brother once, and I remember, you know, this is what happened to me one time. And I was really sad. I mean, acknowledge your feelings. And um, just, you know, tell them some of your own experiences. Make it real for them so they know. They're not the only ones that have struggled with that. You have too. You're a fellow struggler. And... Show love and compassion. I wish I would have had more compassion um, when my kids were little. Um, and I wish I would have welcomed it more because, again, like I said, it's just great training in righteousness. And um, one thing I was going to tell you, too, which I thought was really interesting, I gotten from a magazine, Children's Ministry Facts. It says a person's moral foundations are generally in place by the time they reach age nine. A majority of Americans make a lasting determination about the personal significance of Christ's death and resurrection by age 12. Most people's minds are made up and they made up and they believe they know what they need to know 
spiritually by age 13. And let me tell you, I have a 13-year-old. And I'm saying this is true. We're sitting around last night reading from Luke. And he didn't look near as interested in my other two. He probably already thinks he knows what he needs to know spiritually. That teenage thing. But, um, you know, I just let him do some of the reading. If I see that when we're doing our spiritual time together, if somebody's kind of distracted, and when your kids get a little bit older, I'll have them read from the Bible. It doesn't have to be all mommy giving it to them or daddy, and it's better if daddy is around and he does it. There's lots of research on that. Daddy's the head of the household, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, they just, um, you know, get them involved. Let them pick the song you're going to sing. Let them read some. They can read from their little Bibles. Um, just get them involved. And it says, parents typically have no plan for the spiritual development of their children and do not consider it a priority. The reason why adult Christians are so similar in their attitudes, values, and lifestyles as non-Christians is they were not sufficiently challenged to think and behave in a way that is radically different from non-Christians when they were children. All goes back to your responsibility as a mom to be training them to know the Lord and training them in righteousness. Um, rules and boundaries um, are comforting to them. I don't know if y'all have seen rules, a little flyer that, that says rules for this house to live by. Some people have in the refrigerator. But, you know, let them, you know, the number one thing is for them to respect authority and um, to know about boundaries. Boundaries are comforting for them. I was talking with Kristen, I don't know if she's still here, and she was talking about her little boy and... Um, you know, it, it's so much the boundaries. You know, here's an example. You can't bite your sister, but you can go bite the apple. Bite an apple. <laughs> you can't bite somebody else, you know. Um, train them in non-conflict times is really the best way for training. Think about when you're angry and frustrated. Do you listen very well? When you're frustrated or angry at your husband? Are you wanting to be humbled? Are you wanting to learn? Not really. <laughs> you know, well, it's the same with them. When they're frustrated and angry, it's harder for them to learn sometimes. So train them during non-conflict times. Uh, Shanti Fellman wrote a book called For Parents Only. And she asked teenagers, so these are kids that are older than your kids, but um, she asked them, do you like rules and boundaries? Okay, think about teenagers, they want to be set free. They're ready to kind of make some of their own decisions. Guess what? 80% of them said they might not tell their parents, but they like rules and boundaries. Get some comfort. Teenagers! You know, so how much more do your little guys? Um, my oldest son, like a lot of firstborns, is a rule follower. And he likes, he likes boundaries a lot. And he doesn't like it if other people aren't obeying the rules. Because everybody should be obeying the rules. I obey the rules and so should everybody else. And we, um, we were, and when our kids were, when he was getting school age, we my husband and I were on different pages. I really wanted to send them to a private Christian school. My husband wanted to send them, him to a public school because he thought we were called to be a light in the world, which we are. And um, so we both committed it to prayer, and I prayed God would change his mind, and God actually changed mine. <laughs> and we put him in the public school where we are over in University Park, and, you know, he did fine there. But when he got in third grade, when his personality, you know, just really starts coming out more, he did not like the chaos. He's the rule follower. And the kids in his classroom were not obeying the rules very well. They were not respecting authority. And it bothered him a lot. And he was begging me to homeschool him. He's like, Mommy, please, 
get me out of here. And that's when I knew, okay, it's time to go over to <laughs> that private Christian school that I go sit in at every year. And that has rules that children obey by, you know, that, that they live by. And there's consequences when the kids don't obey. And I'm not saying that's right for everybody. I'm just saying, you know, I could have gone to the principal and the next year said, hey, we need a very strict teacher who obeys all the rules. But for us, that's what we decided to do. And it just fit him like a glove. His personality, who he is. He's a rule follower, and he's very comforted by the rules. Um, and my other son, my second son, who is uh, a lot more laid back, doesn't isn't a rule follower, but he needs the rules so that he can know where to go. Um, Dennis Rainey from Family Life did a, uh, has a parenting survey for kids. I thought this was very interesting. Um, he had a survey you could give to your kids. Now, you could, you know dumb it down a little bit for little kids and just ask your kids how you're doing as a mommy and as a daddy. Ask them, you know, what you could be doing or what they like that you are doing. I asked my son this morning, knowing I was going to talk to you, I said, what is it that you like that um, mommy does? He said, you're always the first to pull out the Bible. (laughs) I said, oh, well, thank you. You know, I mean, but he said, I mean, that's what he liked. He liked that. And um, anyway, they have a parenting survey that I gave my kids a couple of years ago, and it was just kind of asking them how they feel, what they like. I mean, just, you know, you come up with what works for you, your own thing, but I'm just saying ask them, listen to them, and ask them what they like. What came out from this for my son was that he didn't feel he had enough chores. I was like, ooh, I like that. <laughs> Gets you real busy here soon, you know? But, I mean, it really was great insight. I, didn't, I would have never guessed I wasn't giving him enough chores, enough responsibility, but he told me, I don't have enough chores. I thought, wow, what kid is begging for that? I mean, <laughs> I don't think he was begging for it. He was just being honest. And I was like, okay, your honesty is going to pay. You know? <laughs> but, um, you know, just listen to your children. And some of the chores they can do when they're little, they can sort clothes. They can pull their own clothes out of the clean clothes. They can make their bed. They can feed, help feed the dog. They can clean their room. One of my favorites is blitzing. Have you all heard of blitzing? Take a basket. You go around the house and pick up everything that's yours in two minutes. Pick up everything that's yours and take it to your room. My kids love it, even at their ages now. Like, last night I was like, we need a blitz. We're going to have a blitz. <laughs> Get a basket. And they went around. My older sons were playing with some nerve guns. I had those little orange little nerve things everywhere. And I just said, we're, we're going to do a blitz. And it takes two minutes, and they love it. And all their stuff is picked up from around the house. It's great. So just get creative and, and give them chores and responsibility. It makes them feel important. It makes them feel needed. And children who like themselves behave themselves. So think about that. Children who like themselves behave themselves. Give them lots of praise and encouragement. And celebrate who God made them to be. Not who you want them to be, but who God made them to be. Catch them doing things that are right. Encourage them at the dinner table. A lot of times at dinner we'll do highs and lows of our day. And also sometimes we'll just say, let's go around the room and do encouraging words. And, you know, say, Blake, I just want to tell you I'm really proud of you the way you're just being so great at studying and doing great in school. And I love the way, Brandon, you're showing compassion to, to other people. Go around the dinner table. Make that an opportune time. You know, it, it tells us in Deuteronomy when you're sitting at the table. Um, I keep a Bible at my table. I keep a Bible in my car. I keep a Bible by each of their beds. I have the Bible on my iPod. My husband was in surgery. I was like, 
I think I'll be tired if I read a lot, um, but I listen to a bunch of songs. Just, um, you know, have it available um, and, and encourage them when you see them doing something good. We have these, I have these little um, praise cards. They love them. And I don't even give them out very often, but I'll say, good job. Good job, Beth, on reading and spelling. You know, good job on being kind. Good job on, she has the gift of mercy. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I mean, just, you know, good job on, give them an attribute that they're emulating. And encourage them. I mean, it makes them want to do it even more when you're encouraging them. I mean, I would do this weekly. I also have these little um, coupon cards. They love these. It's like a treat. If you know, you know, you could just find your own time. What works for you? If you want to give them, they've done something really well. They did a great job of cleaning their room or something. Tell them they can come pick a kids coupon. This is like they can pick. My kids will look through here for like an hour and just—it's so funny. They'll look through here and they're like, "Oh, oh, I could get a batch of cookies. Oh, we could go see a movie. I don't have to clean my room for a week." You know, take a trip to the museum of your choice. Um, dinner that you get to pick. Getting ice cream. Trip to the bookstore. Anyway, just just take every opportunity you have to encourage and praise them. And it will, it will go well for you to do that. And they will want... Think about it. If you're good at something, do you want to do it? Do you want to do more? If you're bad at something... Do you really want to do it? you want to spend time doing it? If you're bad at tennis, you don't really want to go out and play a lot of tennis. But if you're really good at tennis, you want to go play a lot. It's the same for them. If they feel like they're good, if you're praising them for being um, joyful, for being um, full of love for their sibling, praise them for that. It will make them want to do it more. Um, I already talked about the fruit of the Spirit. and Make them feel special. Do some one-on-ones with them once a month. Um, you really get to know them when you spend time with them one-on-one. Do a lot of y'all just have one child? Yes? Okay. Well, then you're getting lots of one-on-one time now. <laughs> Probably more than what you want. But you know what? It's such a special... I will tell you that year, the years you have with your first child are so special. And he's the only, he or she's the only one that gets all of you. I mean, it's really a special time. When the second one comes around, I remember really trying to train my son. I think he was two and a half when our second son was born. And I thought, oh, he's gotten all this attention. And I mean, all this, we do everything centered around him, it seems like. How is he going to adjust to having a new baby in the house? That's, you know, all attention is not going to be on him. And boy, I made a big effort to, you know, his baby brother brought him after he was born. His gift waiting for him at the hospital was a train from his little brother. <laughs> you know, just trying to get him to um, to welcome this little guy, to love him. Um, but you just don't get that same. It's just so different when you start having more and more kids. So cherish that time with them. That one-on-one time is when you really get to know them. When you have multiple kids, take one to go get ice cream or a special date. They just almost seem like a different person. And just gives you insight to what's going on with them and um, gives you... A special way to really love them. Um, watch movies when they were little. My kids love doing that on birthdays. We'll pull out our movies when they were, they love to watch themselves. <laughs> but pull out movies when they were born and when they were little on their first birthday. They love it. We will laugh for hours just at their voice or whatever we're seeing. But they love that. It's just a way to encourage them that we're celebrating who God made them to be and who they are. And um, 
one thing that I thought was such a cute idea, one of my friends was telling me that she used to have a song on a CD that she would sing to her child when, when he was really little. Um, it was the ABC, ABC uh, like attributes or and characteristics. I thought, what a great idea. My, one of my spiritual gifts is exhortation, and so I loved that that idea, and I thought, well, I can do that with my kids. And this was just about a month ago, and it's basically taking your child through all the alphabet letters and giving them a characteristic that they emulate. For example, um, um, A, you're adorable. B, you're beautiful. C, you're um, courageous. D, you're delightful. We had so much fun. My daughter and I, we did this. We were laughing, and I thought, this is so great. Let's go do it with the boys. So we went, and um, you would think that my 13-year-old would be too old for that. And so after about four of them, we kind of stopped. And he's like, aren't you going to go all the way to Z? You know, I mean, he, even at his age, loved it. Just be creative and think of ways to praise them and encourage them. With that A to Z on praising them and encouraging them and attributes you see in them, it's just a fun I, my kids have just loved that. And again, just think about your end result is to train them in holiness and just for them to reflect God's glory in all that they do. And be prayerful. But um, also just teach them about, you know, teach them to be prayerful. Um, teach them about prayer. And the whole acts, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, they're not too young at age two to learn that. And I will tell you, my um, daughter is gifted. She has the gift of prayer, and it is just amazing. She says the most beautiful prayers. She praises the Lord. She will, in her supplication, she will be praying for a long time to where, in my simple nature, in our simple nature, we get tired sometimes as a family. We're like, wow, she has just prays for everybody. Everybody on her heart, please pray for, put your healing hand on Sydney's week. Um, pray for um, little friend in her class dad had prostate cancer she remembers and she prays for everybody pray for my uncle's friend who doesn't know Jesus she will go on and on and on she truly has the gift of prayer and what's so interesting at age 8 I looked I found in her little drawer something I'd gotten from BSF when she was 2 and at the end of the year they would give a little like a flower that had one attribute that kind of described her child for the year and hers was prayerful at age 2 2 that was her gift and God um, has used it to encourage other people, encourage our family. And um, but anyway, so I don't think it's too early to teach them about adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplications. And really, now is the time to be doing it. I don't think I did this as well with my older son. And guess what? And his when he prays, when we're praying as a family, he starts with thanking God for our day. He does not start with praising God for being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, for being the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. And so I hate to say it's too late because it's not, but um, for him on his prayer life like that, it's just gonna, he's going to have to really will it and really want it. But um, my younger children, I think I must have been better at really teaching that to them, and it's ingrained in, um, ingrained in them, and it's just beautiful. And ask them to pray for you. I asked my kids today to pray for me because I was going to be coming talking to you. Ask them to pray for you. And teach them to put a little prayer journal by their bed. And just write down a couple people that they can be praying for. Teach them about prayer. And you can get really creative. Um, I know friends who have taken their Christmas cards and they put them in a little basket. And each night when they're praying, 
Or when they're at their dinner praying, they'll pull out one of those families and they'll pray for that family. Um, which might have some missionaries in there too, you know. Um, but just teaching them to pray for others. Uh, one year I did a prayer box where I had them who looked up scripture on prayer, like Philippians 4.4 4, that talks about praying and um, some different verses. Um, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and just some different great verses. And um, I had them write it out on a little, I mean, even if it was totally messy because they're only three or four, it was great because it was their work and their handwriting. And they wrote out little verses. I helped them. I would write it. They'd copy it down. Obviously, they couldn't spell when they were little. And we glued them to a um, shoebox and cut a little hole in it and we put our prayers we put prayers in there and we'd open it up and we'd pull out prayers from our prayer box for people who needed prayer we just get creative but teach them about the power of prayer and make it a part of your life and we even recently I was telling Millie this had a we had my older son sit in a prayer chair <laughs> have you ever heard of that but um, he was having a hard time forgiving his daddy his daddy had um, said something to him kind of been joking and my older son kind of took it more seriously and he didn't really want to forgive him and I thought wow again I was like welcoming the training in righteousness I was like okay we're seeing some pride and we you know looked up some verses on that and just talked it out how do you resolve conflict how do you forgive when um, when you're hurt and he just was really struggling with it I was so surprised but we ended up sitting him in a chair and I said you're going to get in the prayer chair and we had never really done this before maybe we had done it a long long time ago they probably didn't remember and I said you're going to sit in the chair and we're all going to just you know touch you on the arm just touch you and we're going to all go around as a family and pray for you and we did all of us prayed for him and, and it was beautiful and I think it really ministered to him and he was able to eventually not that night Although it does say, let the, don't let the sun go down, your anger. But um, that next day, you know, I think that the you know, he was able to resolve that conflict with my husband. But, um, you know, just be prayerful. And the fact that the other children, and for him, that he saw that, hey, we're just going to turn to Jesus on this. And we're going to cover it in prayer. It was a great training in righteousness for them. Um, also be a student of their interest. God made them all so uniquely different. And right now, if you only have one child, you know, your second child is going to be different. They're not going to be the same. And it's, it's so interesting. It brings a lot of delight to your family and a lot of struggles, too. My older son, I didn't need to spank hardly at all because if I just looked at him like I was disappointed, he would cry. And my second son, I could spank him a lot. And it didn't matter. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're completely different. Look at the personality types of you and your spouse and also your children. And it will just give you worlds of wisdom on how to be relating with them. And my daughter, for example, is very sanguine, which is very friendly. She likes people. And she wants to have a friend over almost every day. And that's a need she has. That's her personality. She needs that fellowship. And for me to understand that's the way God made her. And that helps me to be a better mommy to her. Um, my middle son, Brandon, is very phlegmatic, which is very laid back. doesn't really want to do his homework. He doesn't necessarily want to have a friend over. He's just happy. He's always just whatever, going with the flow. And um, my older son is very um, melancholy, which is kind of a perfectionist, a self-starter. Sometimes the glass is half empty. Um, but he, you know, is a, he's very motivated to do his homework, and he's a doer. And so you get all these different personalities in your family and you look at your husband and you and you go, wow, all these different dynamics. Research that. Learn about that because 
it really helps you on just loving each other well. And what I found, what I think is so funny, is my older son, who's very more serious, more the rule follower, he helps keep my middle son in line, and my middle son helps my older son to have more fun and enjoy life. So, I mean, God designed it in your family to be beautiful and, um, and to enjoy it, but you have to kind of understand how they're different and uh, rejoice, you know, rejoice in that. Look at the strengths and the weaknesses of each of their personality types. It's amazing the insight you have there on who God made them to be. Um, it helps you rejoice in their differences. Um, look at their unique interests. Um, even as a little child, age two and three and four, you can tell what they're interested in. I had one son, my older son was very interested in trucks, and um, I was a very girly girl growing up, so I didn't know much about trucks, so we had the book, You Can Name a Hundred Trucks. <laughs> and every time we drove by, you know, we were in the car, there's truck, there's truck. You know, I learned the names of all the, that's a backhoe, that's a, you know, just to, that was what he was interested in. And take, be a student of what their interests are. My daughter is a animal lover. She loves dogs. I'm not a dog person, but after her praying, every time she prayed, which is a couple times a day, she was praying for a year for a dog. Literally a year. And one of my friends was like, why are you not helping answer that prayer for her? <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess it's time to get a dog. But I said, look, here comes back to responsibility. You're going to have to feed that dog, and you're going to have to take care of that dog if you want a dog. And she does. She does everything at age eight for that dog. Um, my middle son likes dinosaurs and rocks. Nothing like my older son. He likes all the airplanes and the... Um, you know, airplanes and the trucks, the mechanical stuff. And my other son really liked dinosaurs and rocks. So I need to take him to, to just celebrate in the way God made him and what his interests are. I need to take him to the Museum of Natural History and look at the dinosaurs and all the rocks and uh, just look at their different interests and celebrate that and get books and learn about what they're interested in. Even if you don't really like I don't like dogs. But she wants to read about dogs all the time. And if I want to love her well, then I'm going to get some dog books and read her dog books. Because she loves that. And so, know your children and celebrate who God made them to be. And look at their love languages. Have any of y'all raised your hand if you've read Gary Smalley's Love Languages? So a lot of you guys, okay, have read that. That's great. Look at that. Even at a little, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of children love gifts. That's kind of an obvious for everybody. But, I mean, really see as they're growing if you can tell what their love languages are. I have one who, I have two of them that love hugs. And their gift is definitely affection, their love language. They love, excuse me, to have their back scratched. And just they love that touch. And I have another one who really likes words of affirmation. If I'm encouraging his sibling and he's not getting encouragement with it, he's like, well, what about me? It's like going, okay, you're not a little selfish, are you? But, um, but obviously, I mean, that's his love language. I mean, instead of me judging it like that, I need to be going, that's the love language that he has. He needs words of affirmation. And so he needs lots of encouragement. And my husband's love language is gifts. And it's great to know that because I'm very practical and I'm not good at buying gifts because I'm more of a practical person. But um, that's his love language. And, next, and then second is words of affirmation. So I've been such a terrible gift buyer for him for 15 years. And but that's how he received love. And this Father's Day, um, after really kind of trying to apply this more to my family, looking at their love language, um, and I think it was so funny because I used to think, oh, it's so shallow that you, your love language is gifts, you know. <laughs> and, um, and really, it's not. It's not. It's saying 
To them, it's saying, you thought of me. You spent a lot of time looking at something for me, and you love me. And so I had to really grasp my hands around that so I could love him well. And for Father's Day, I made him a um, scrapbook, a Daddy's Day, or Father's Day scrapbook, of all these pictures of him with the children throughout, ever since they've been born. I mean, I spent so much time. Pictures of him holding each of them in the hospital, all the way through their birthdays, and just um, since his other love languages of words of affirmation, I went to one of the crafts and I got all these words that were like, Father, my hero, <laughs> my, you know, the one I admire. And he just loved it. I mean, he cried. He loved it. But it was, it was so neat because it taught me that I need to love him the way he's going to be receiving love. And it was just, there was so much joy, even though it was what so took so much of my time and sacrifice, what it did for him was beautiful, and it made him feel very loved. And that's what you need to do with your kids. Find out what really, um, what their love language is. My daughter loves quality time, and she'll tell me, Mommy, I want you to play a game with me. Mommy, let's make cookies. And that's my love language, too, so we get along well. <laughs> we like to do everything together. In fact, when you're a homeschooler, and believe me, we had a great time because we both had our quality time together, going to the zoo and reading and just doing everything together. We loved it. And, um, but anyway, so just, you know, just look at, you know, they've got access service, too. Just look at those and apply them to your children so you can love them well. And listen to them. Just um, listen to what their needs are. Tell them what your love language is so they can fill your tank um, so you can be a better mommy. Listen to them. Spend time really listening. My middle son used to tell me, Mommy, listen to me in the eyes. And he was two. Like, turn around and look at me. I know you've got three children and they're ages zero, two, and four and life's kind of crazy, but will you please listen to me in the eyes? I thought that was just so cute. <laughs> so look at your children. Take time to stop what you're doing and look at them in the eyes and love them. Listen to them is loving them and celebrating who they are and what they're interested in. Create memories um, together. Um, we go on lots of, I love to travel, so we go on lots of trips now that they're a little bit older. I like to take them with us so they can learn what we're, where we're going. We've taken them to Washington, D.C., to Australia, to New Zealand, to Hawaii, and these are creating memories for them. Our family time together. Really cherish your time with them. Um, I love family camp. We've been to a Young Life family camp in Buena Vista, Colorado, and I know Kanakuk has a family camp. They're just wonderful, wonderful places to create memories. In fact, my kids like family camp, even at their ages 8, 11, and 13. They would rather go to family camp than go to a camp by themselves. Um, they've been to Kanakuk for a week and a Young Life camp, and they've, they've enjoyed it, but they like family camp better. And um, I feel very blessed that they do, that they, you know, want to be together. But I'm just saying, create memories. Um, Pine Cove has a lot of mother-daughter and father-son retreats, um, you know, that are just like a day. They don't even take that long, much of your time. Just go down there for one night and a day. And there are wonderful ways to create memories. Um, our school requires that we do a semester project with our kids where we're picking something they're interested in, a project, something that they want to do, and we're doing it together. You don't need a school to tell you that. Find out what they're interested in and, and do a project with them. Build something with them. Um, make crafts over the holidays. Make cookies together. Just get quality time together. 
And I was just going to touch for a second on loving their dad. And, um, you know, they will follow what is modeled in your relationship with your husband and how you're resolving conflict, how you're loving each other. You know, Todd touched on conflicts a Sunday or two ago, and it's just wonderful to look at that. And really, your kids are watching everything you do. And what are you modeling for them? They're going to learn more about what you're doing than by what you're saying. So are you living out your faith? And, you know, you hear that saying, families that pray together stay together. I really think it's true because when you're praying together as a family, you're opening up your heart to your Lord and Savior together. And um, just really, you know, love, love, love your daddy. Love dad and make him feel special. When he comes home from work, Greet him with a big hug and a kiss. Make it a big deal. My husband's gone in to California all week this week, and my daughter was like, let's make him a big cake for when he returns. She's already thinking about how can I encourage him and let him know he was missed. So make him feel special. Thank him for all he does. Um, have any of y'all read the book Sacred Marriage? Yes. It's a great book looking at your marriage and how it is really honing you to be more like Christ. And the ministry there in your marriage. Um, and, you know, it's really important for the daddy to be reading the Bible to the kids when you're having your family time. Um, sometimes, you know, because my husband is a lot busier than I am, sometimes I'll just have the Bible open to what we're going to read and I'll put it in my husband's lap. <laughs> you read it. It is dramatic. Either there's research and I don't can't even quote any of it to you, but it is so important that they see that their daddy needs Christ and that their daddy is digging into the word. And it's more powerful than mommy, even though it's great that mommy's doing it too. You need daddy to be leading when daddy's there. And you need to, um, and that's something I've really struggled with because um, I love teaching from the Bible. And I feel like that's one of my gifts is exhortation and just you know sharing God's word with them, that prophecy where you're just delivering God's word. And I love it, and I've had to really just back down, listen to the Lord and really back down and just let my husband lead because it is not healthy for me to be leading spiritually. So um, as long as I've committed that to the Lord, he's blessed that. So really, the, you know, loving the daddy could be a whole talk in itself that could be saved for another time. So I won't go any more of that, but um, just really honor your husband because what you're, what you're modeling is what they're going to be doing. Prepare your kids for ministry. Right now, at age 2 and 3, and 4 and 5 and 6 and 8 and 10 and 13, they are ministering. They have the capability to minister, to be used by God. My younger brother, um, a couple of years ago, lost his little girl to the flu at age 6. She was in kindergarten. And I will just tell you, at age 6, she had a vibrant ministry. I think it's why God called her home. He's like, well done, good and faithful servant at age 6. I mean, truly, she... But then kindergarten, there's little stories, a couple stories that are really cute. She was in kindergarten, and they were going to do centers, you know, where you move different sections. She didn't understand her teacher well, she thought. The teacher said, does anybody know what a center is instead of the center? And she raised her hand. She's like, a center is someone who needs Jesus Christ's love in their heart. (laughs) She proclaimed all 20 kids in her class. And she really had the gift of evangelism. I mean, she journaled in her little kindergarten journal every day. She journaled about Jesus every day. Little Billy's acting up. He needs Jesus. (laughs) Something about dinosaurs. Well, God made the dinosaurs. 
You know, she just loved God. She worshipped God. My brother had their worship leader at their church come to him probably a couple months before she passed away and went to be with the Lord. And um, he said to her, you know, looking at the audience of all you know, 400 people at our church, your daughter Victoria was worshipping the Lord with her heart, soul, and mind. She had a ministry. She encouraged others. She was a little evangelist. And God was able to use the testimony of her life and how much she loved Jesus that when she passed away and we had a funeral for her and all these stories came out about how much she loved Jesus, 24 people in their church came forward to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. She had a powerful ministry, age six. So think about your children and how God can be using them with the unique gifts that he's giving them. Do you all, have any of y'all read Francine Rivers' books? She's got Redeeming Love and so many great books. Do you know how she became a Christian? Does anybody know? Does anybody read the back of her books to know how she became a Christian? Anybody want to guess? A child, a neighbor, little boy, probably age six. They were moving, moved to a different state and didn't know anybody. And they were moving in. Their little neighbor boy came over and invited her to go to church. And they weren't really a church-going family at that time. And she wasn't really that interested. But guess what? That little boy didn't give up. He kept inviting her. And after about the fourth time of inviting her, she finally said yes to a child. And went to church. And this might have been in Chicago, Willow Creek. I don't remember exactly what church it was. But she heard the message when she got to church. It was a church like Watermark. And she heard the truth. And the truth set her free. And she became a believer. She was a writer at that time. And she wrote novels. But they were not Christian novels. They were, you know, other kind of books. Uh, novel books that weren't about the Lord she was not after she accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior she was not able to write for a whole entire year she felt like the Lord wanted her just to read the Bible and just dig into his word and she did and uh, her first book after becoming a Christian that she wrote was Redeeming Love which is the story of Hosea um, in the Bible and the historical fiction and she felt like the Lord gave her all those words to put down. It is a powerful book. If you have not read it, you need to read it. It is very good. But my point is, a six-year-old child was using the gifts he had, and he was ministering to a neighbor. And look, she became a Christian. And look at the millions of women that are blessed through her ministry. So I think, you know, when you, when you involve them in ministry and train them for ministry... They know it. it's not all about them. You know, age two, everything's mine. My little boy, when he was two, he traded his passy for a train. He had one of those little Brio trains to get rid of his passy. It worked. And um, he slept with that little train for a year in his hand every night. But he was like, he called it his choo-choo me. <laughs> choo-choo me. My train. <laughs> you know, they're just, our sinful nature is so selfish. They want, it's, all, it's mine. And when then when you look when they're teenagers, I think it's all about them. I mean, we just have such a sinful nature and really to pull them out of that and to teach them about ministry um, is just very powerful. That, you know, what is God's plan for them for their life? To reflect His glory and to minister to those around them. And I used to kind of try to get some stuff done while, while they weren't with me. Like when they were Mother's Day out, if I was bringing food to somebody who was sick or going to the hospital to visit them, and I stopped doing that. And I started doing it when they were with me. So I could be modeling for them my ministry and what I was doing. 
And so, like our neighbor a couple weeks ago had a baby. I waited until they all got home. Food was ready earlier to deliver there. But I waited until they all got home and they each carried something and had a burst with it and delivered it to the family. So they could actively see their mom and dad um, having a ministry in their neighborhood and just loving other people. So, um, you know, just get them involved. Um, like I said, my daughter has a gift of prayer. And she uh, she spent the night with a friend. And the mommy called me, and she was just so touched. She said, your daughter, she said, you've done a great job. Your daughter prays beautifully. I go, it is not me. <laughs> it is totally a gift because she prays more beautifully than anybody else in her whole entire family, including my husband and I. She is just, just she's got it. And um, I'd mentioned that earlier, how she is just, spends lots of time worshiping God, praising Him for His attributes, and lots of time praying for other people. But she spent the night with a friend, and this friend, when they, had, when they were praying at night before they went to bed, was just very touched by her prayer. And the, and she, the mom had told me that her little girl was just um, having her time and just wasn't really interested and in really talking to God. And But she saw by her friend a prayer modeled that was just so full of love for God. And and the little girl, after Beth left, came up to her mommy and said, Mommy, I want to pray. I want to pray like that. And the mom was just so encouraged to say, Your daughter ministered to my child at their young age. And, and so just don't think that they're too young to have a ministry because God wants to use them in a mighty and powerful way. Train them now so that they can be thinking about that as they grow up. I had a um, cousin. We had a cousin who, um, my husband had a cousin whose son lived with us. One summer, he was in college at Wheaton University, and he was doing a um, he was doing a rotation at the Cooper Clinic. And we we're like, "Well, we live close; you can stay with us." He stayed with us for about two months. This was a young man, 22, who loved the Lord. I mean, just was active in a church in college, just loving the Lord. He drove; he uh, took. He was a cyclist, and that summer, he spent a month and a half cycling across the United States from the East Coast to the West for Habitat for Humanity, building houses along the way. And was very compassionate for other people, way more than I was, for the, for the homeless and just other people in need. And when we were talking about political stuff, and he was just amazing. And we had the opportunity to kind of pick his brain. We said, what was really impactful for you in your life growing up? And he said one of them was going to a church like Watermark that was very vibrant and just loving, you know, teaching the word and just calling us to sin is a sin and we need to be living a holy life and and went to a great church. He also said family dinners were very impactful and the last thing he said, which was probably the most impactful, was every Saturday morning, just one Saturday morning a month for seven years, their family would get up at five in the morning and go cook food and serve it to the homeless. Go cook it at the shelter and then serve it until about noon. Once a month on a Saturday, and they did that for seven years, and that was the most impactful, one of the most impactful things in his life, at giving him a heart for ministry and a heart for for others. So um, I know I'm kind of going long here, but um, I just had so much. I kept on, even up until coming uh, right before I came, and just so many great things I wanted to share with you. We were reading two weeks ago in our Bible uh, out of Matthew where it talked about the king said to those on his right, Matthew 25, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. 
For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to me. And my kids were so struck by that. They were just like, wow. Those are the ones that are entering the kingdom of heaven. And the other people that weren't doing that weren't. And it was so cute. They went and got their money that they had saved for giving. One of them had $19 worth of coins. <laughs> and they said, we want to go buy some hamburgers and my older, for the homeless. And my older son typed up some verses that we could stick on there with a toothpick. And it just, you know, reading God's word and his command for us to serve others and to have a ministry um, inspires all of us to want to want to do what's right and live holy. Um, one of my other friends was saying that she had wanted to take coffee down to the homeless homeless people and um, her little boy who's four said mom why would you want to do that and they went down there and served and then um, she did again and then she said now guess what when I go to Starbucks and get coffee guess what will save me mom are you going to get extra for those other people that need it for those other guys just training them training them in righteousness Um, take time for you one thing I did is I wrote a card out that said this is my perfect day, which would be probably unattainable, really. Get a massage, <laughs> have plenty of time in the Word, you know, somebody make dinner for me. But I kind of, you know, looked at what, what's a perfect day, really, for me. And, you know, if I can get some of those things done for me when my kids were really little, it really just encouraged me and helped me when... Um, Lisa Morgan wrote a book. She works with Moms International. What Every Mom Needs. I have it over here. I've got a bunch of my resources over here of books I've used um, and read. And you know, she has a great list of all the things that mom needs. But um, I just remember when my kids were zero, two, and four. A lot of the ages of your kids, I was just physically drained and tired. And the one thing I kept on my schedule was going to BFF, going to my Bible study. And I needed that for encouragement, and that's what I did. And it filled my tank so that I could love them more. And that's why you need to make sure that you take time for you. So to kind of close, you know, what does God want from us as moms and from our children? He wants holiness, love for others, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that's fruits of the Spirit, diligence, humility, generosity, friendliness, sensitivity, obedience, honesty, Respect for authority, forgiveness, mercy, humbleness, thankfulness, purity, wisdom, strength, courage. He wants us to reflect his glory while we're on earth here. And when we get to heaven, we want him to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you want to be training your child in the way he should go so he will not depart from that. So I want to finish up with a poem. Well, two things I want to say. If you are, when we were talking about, you know, really filling you up, Mommy, so you have energy to love on your kids, you know, look at Isaiah 40, 28. that talks about those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will walk and not faint. Call upon the Lord to help you if you're tired and weary. He will. He will be faithful. I'm going to read you this poem for our close. This is a season when you are invited to play, to read, to imagine, to dream. Your lap is the most favorite place to be. Your smile is more valuable than money. Your words mean more than those 
on the TV, in magazines, or in the classroom. Savor the moments of this season that they will never come around again. The season of your life right now when your kids are little. Today is a gift, and that is why we call it the present.